Welcome to the College Investor Audio Show, where we talk about the biggest issues impacting millennial money, from student loan debt to side hustles to building wealth. We will show you how to get out of debt so that you can build real wealth for the future. Hey there, welcome to the show. So glad you're here today as we talk about some of the conflicts of interest in 529 plan management. Very interesting stuff today. Welcome. All right, so two researchers at the University of Kansas School of Business have identified problems in how some states manage their 529 college savings plans. They suggest that these problems are caused by conflicts of interest, inadequate oversight, and a lack of investment sophistication by the state sponsors. According to the College Savings Plan Network, a total of, get this, $480 billion is invested in 15.7 million 529 college savings plans as of December 31st, 2021. Wow. All right, so the University of Kansas analyzed 5,339 unique investment options across 86 state 529 college savings plans for their paper. Two-thirds of the 529 plans are direct-sold and one-third are advisor-sold. Only 10% of the plans are managed in-house, with the rest outsourced to external program managers. A third have revenue-sharing agreements with the underlying mutual funds. About half of the total fees from 529 plans go to the state, the program managers, and various intermediaries. The administrative asset-based fees for 529s are five times greater than the similar fees for managing a retirement plan. Whoa! The average 529 plan fees include the following. State fees, 4BP, BP for the rest of the time today is, stands for basis points, by the way, but can be as high as 26BP basis points. Program manager fees, 16BP, but it can be as high as 115 BP. This gets crazy. Distribution fees, 23 BP, but this can be as high as 110 BP. And then underlying fund fees, 38 BP, but this can be as high as 129 basis points. The overall expense ratio, the sum of all asset-based fees, averages 81 BP with a standard deviation of 53. The expense ratio can be as high as 249 basis points. By the way, a basis point, or BP as I've been saying, is one hundredth of a percent. So 1 BP equals 0.01%. So 100 equals 1%. Given that the average return on investment for a 529 plan is about 6% based on historical performance data, the states and program managers are extracting a significant portion of investor returns for their own benefit. In some cases, families would be better off just saving in taxable accounts. Trade-off between state revenue and program quality. Some states charge higher fees than others, of course, but this generally does not yield an improvement in program quality. In fact, quite the opposite the 529 plans in states that extract more revenue from the 529 plans offer more limited investment options that charge higher fees and provide inferior net performance. The increase in the underlying fund fees is about a quarter of average mutual fund fees. So the higher cost of 529s 
offer fewer investment options, <laughs> and are less likely to offer low-cost index funds. These states also do not provide additional or better state income tax breaks. I mean, come on! The University of Kansas researchers found that investment options from plans where states extract the most revenue have an average underlying fund expense ratio of 50.6 basis points, while investment options from states that extract the least revenue have an average underlying expense ratio of 21.9 BP. Thus, when a state extracts more revenue from the state's 529 plan, the expense ratio is more than twice as high, or 2.3 times higher. <sighs> so these researchers from the University of Kansas also used sharp ratios calculated by Morningstar for all the 529 plans, showing that investors in these higher-cost plans experience worse performance. Shouldn't it be the other way around? A sharp ratio is a risk-adjusted return on investment. It is the 529 plan's return minus the risk-free rate of return and divided by the standard deviation of the excess return. That could be a little confusing. A higher sharp ratio is better. You don't need to know about all the formula. Just a higher ratio is always better. The 529 plans from states that extract more revenue from the 529 plans have a lower sharp ratio than 529s from states that extract less revenue, a sign that the investment plan performance net of fees is inferior. The sharp ratios in the 529s in the high-revenue extraction states are 20% lower than the sharp ratios in the states that, of course, extract less revenue. Let's talk about the conflicts of interest. Oh, like as if it couldn't get any worse. Since 529 plans generate revenue for the states and program managers, there is potential for conflicts of interest. Red flags, hello. Incentives for the state are not necessarily aligned with the best interests of plan participants. Go figure. States get higher fees in exchange for providing program managers with more flexibility to extract more revenue, directly and indirectly, from plan participants. 529 plans often include investment options from the program manager's own mutual funds and from investment firms with which the program manager has revenue-sharing agreements. 529 plans with revenue share agreements have underlying fund fees and total expense ratios that are 8 and 18 basis points higher than other 529 plans. Lacks oversight. There's very little effective oversight over the management of 529s. 529 plans are exempt from the Investment Company Act of 1940 and Securities Act of 1933. They are not required to register with the SEC, so the SEC is not a source of investor protection. Securities and Exchange Commission rules govern investment disclosure do not apply to 529 plans. Ugh. 529 plans are not subject to a fiduciary standard. Well, of course not. Our best interests aren't in mind. However, SEC regulations do require investment advisors, such as those that recommend advisors sold 529 plans, to disclose conflicts of interest and also consider costs when recommending products. The SEC's regulation Best Interest, Reg BI, 
is not quite a fiduciary standard, just kind of a suitability standard. It does not apply to the 529 plans themselves, just the investment advisors. The states provide some oversight by appointing advisory boards, but the politically appointed advisory boards often lack the financial sophistication needed to align the 529 plan with the best interests of investors. Program managers often provide more fee revenue to the states that have weaker oversight. Inadequate disclosures make it harder for investors to make informed decisions. There aren't any uniform disclosure practices that are standardized across all 529 plans. States that charge higher fees, which affects the net return on investment, mind you, do not provide better benefits for investors. Okay, so let's talk about tips for investors. These are going to help you quite a bit. Minimizing costs is going to be your key to maximizing net returns. Higher fees are not associated with a better net performance after subtracting the fees from investment returns. The investment options do not necessarily provide better returns on investment. Even when they do, the increased returns are not enough to compensate for the higher fees. So, investors should choose the state 529 plans with the lowest fees, of course. So there's often a trade-off between low fees and an out-of-state 529 plan and state income tax breaks for contributions to the state's own 529. There is an inflection point between choosing low fees and state income tax breaks when the child enters high school. When the child is young, the family should focus on 529 plans that have lower fees. When the child enters high school, new contributions should be directed to the state's 529 plans if the state offers a state income tax break on contributions to the 529. Low fees apply to the entire plan balance, while the state income tax break applies only to each year's new contributions. Morningstar.com and SavingForCollege.com provide ratings of 529 plans that consider the net return on investment after subtracting the fees. SavingForCollege.com also publishes a 529 plan fee study that evaluates the impact of the range of fees charges by each direct sold 529 plan's investment options. So huge. SavingForCollege.com has been rating 529 plans since 1999, (laughs) and Morningstar has been rating them since 2012. You can find links to both of those and everything else we talked about today at thecollegeinvestor.com. And that is our show. Thanks so much for stopping by, and we'll talk to you again real soon.